under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Uh, welcome to it. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I am Joey, and I'm playing this song because, well, my good friend Southern Wood is here. I'm just gay. How you doing? I just told you. Do I need to repeat it? You're very, very happy. I'm the happiest guy on the face of the earth right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is your favorite Prince song? It really is. It's a great song. I can just listen to it on a reel. It's a great. It's, it reminds me of the Beatles and that whole kind of trippy, heavily layered stuff. Great stuff. Great song. Real simple, too. Yeah. I mean, very simple. Um, not the production of it, but like if you were going to play it as a band, like a college cover band, mm-hmm. I think it's very easy, actually. Pretty simple chords, but uh, it's good to be reunited, Southernwood. We haven't, I mean, we've seen each other. We haven't done a show together in two weeks. A while, yeah, and two weeks seems so long. It's been a long time. You've been busy. Yeah. You've been staying cool? No. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I realized something, though, over the 4th of July weekend. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of realizations because I did nothing. Absolutely nothing. And one thing I did not talk about last night was by not doing anything, I also did radio silence on social media and my phone. Just didn't pay attention to it. I saw all these notifications coming in, and I just didn't pay attention to didn't it. Didn't Queen write a song about that? Oh, that was Radio Gaga. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great song, though. (laughs) (laughs) But I realized how much anxiety, for no good reason, social media gives me. Like, I'm, I'm amazed at how we really are addicted to this dopamine hit of oh did i get any likes and also we're like really pissed off and stressed out when somebody contradicts us on social media and half the time you don't even know who the person is it's amazing to me i mean you're not on facebook or no you are you are yeah you are uncle rico but i mean i don't uh, it it doesn't affect me uh I mean, I'll put something on there, and a lot of times I don't even read the comments. Right. You know? And, you know, these people, they get bogged down in arguing about they'll make a political post, let's just say, Mm -hmm. and then somebody will disagree, and then they come back and they get to arguing on it. I I just really have better things to do with my time than to sit there and type out and and argue. Like you said, especially with somebody that you simply only know through social media. And it's one thing if it's an interesting discussion, which is rare, I have found on Facebook. I've gotten better over the years at diffusing a situation. It's been a while since I've smacked somebody um, probably a few months. I get really upset. And if you really want to piss me off, folks, here's a way to do it. 
falsely accuse me of something, not just like, oh, you did this terrible thing that I didn't do, but falsely accuse me of something about my values mm. and where I hold my positions. Like, say that, oh, Joey wants war in the Middle East. Like, oh, oh, I will. Like, you're just a shell for President Trump. Oh, give me a break. Yeah. Like, tell you what you're thinking. Yes. Yeah. I, it's, that kind of feeling. It's a terrible strategy. I hear it all the time. I used to do it. Like, oh, so what you're saying is, and you boil it down to some straw man you can set on fire. Right. And you're not actually hearing the person. You see that on social media so often. Sometimes it's just people don't understand each other. But there's so much point scoring that goes on with social media. But here's one angle I want to talk to you about. Because, you know, we all... You're a generation ahead of me. You're technically like Gen X, right? Mm, yeah, I think that's what you're about us. right there. Yeah, um, and I'm the millennial, older millennial. Do you think the problem with phones and social media? I I don't really think of young kids as having the problem, and I don't really think of your generation as having the problem. Depends on the person, of course. When you're speaking in these broad swaths of people, you got to be careful. I've noticed, and this is maybe just anecdotal, I've noticed people uh, who are boomers tend to be the ones always looking at their phones. Like, I've noticed this in the last few years, like at dinner. It's my, you know, aunts and uncles and grandparents and folk, and it doesn't have to be family members. It could be folks. They're always, their phone's right there. And the more annoying thing to me is that it's not just they're looking at their phone. They don't know how to turn their phone on freaking silent. <laughs> so it's like, bleep, bloop, meh. Like, come on, guys. Come on. Yeah. And it, I just find it fascinating. That used to be a critique from the older generation to this generation of, mm, y'all are just always got your face in your phones. Well, I mean, number one, don't knock somebody for looking at their phone. You don't know what they're doing. They could be on... Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or whatever, Instagram. Could be working. They could be working. Yeah. And I've actually made it clear to some of the people I produce, like, I'm looking at my phone because I have a Google Doc opened up and I'm typing down who you talk to. Yeah. I'm also looking at hot fitness models on Instagram. <laughs> but, you know, I can do both. <laughs> I can do both. But it, it's uh, it's always been this way, though. Where somebody was complaining about people these days always looking down at their phone. Somebody shared a photo from the 1960s, and it's all these folks on a subway, and they're all like, you can't see their faces because they're all buried in newspaper. They're all reading the newspaper. Right. They're, I've learned this in now eight going on nine years of talking on radio and listening to other people talk. At a certain point in the day, there's just, you don't have anything else to talk about. Like, you know this with, like, good friends, I'm sure, or family members, or the wife, for certain. I know married couples are like this. It's where you get so comfortable with one another, you don't need to talk. Mm -hmm. I like getting to that place with somebody where it's not that we've worn out all the conversation and topics. That's one thing. But it's more like, oh, we can ride in the car for 10 minutes and just listen to music and not feel the necessity of inserting just mindless prattle. Like, oh. Hot today. Hot yesterday. It'll be hot tomorrow. Sure hope we get some rain. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Yeah, me too. Fascinating. Absolutely. And Mater really needs some rain. 
<laughs> absolutely fascinating. I mean, there's a lot of stuff uh, in the news, like a lot of studies that have come out recently that in some ways makes me feel vindicated, in other ways makes me think, well, what do you mean by that? But here's one that made me feel vindicated. I think vindicates a lot of conservatives I've read over the years, a lot of libertarians I've read over the years, and, uh, well, just a lot of economists in general. The CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, and I kind of feel bad for these folks because they claim that they just call balls and strikes. They're not they're nonpartisan, so to speak. But often they have to score things based on what the Democrats or the Republicans give them. It's like, here are your parameters, now give us the answer. And often those parameters are skewed to give a particular type of answer. So I haven't looked under the hood at the methodology of this recent report, but this CBO report seemed to vindicate a lot of what people are saying. Is if you raise the minimum wage at the federal level to $15 an hour, Mm -hmm. you would increase wages for 17 million people. But you would also put 1.5 million people out of work. And that's just an estimate. I don't think that's factoring in automation once you get a $15 an hour minimum wage. that's so many times, Joey, that's the problem is that the people that do these studies and things, they're using that Keynesian form of economics. Well, it's going to remain just like this. Take Burger King, for for example. They've got nine people per shift, three shifts a day. They're always going to have nine people. No, they're not. Nope. If if there's a way that they can automate something and take three of those people's places, then you're going to have six people. Right. You're net neutral for Burger King, but like you're saying, those three guys that lost their job, they are net 100% loss. Yes, absolutely. You know? And, well, and I also, you can lay this at the feet of some free market economists, too. Uh, like Milton Friedman, a lot of the Chicago school. What you know, it's one thing to have a, a a mathematical model for like how the economy works. I think it's fine as long as you understand it's a model, like GDP numbers. If you're looking at economic stats, GDP numbers are great. Unemployment numbers are great. All the stuff that we talk about politically, like the president's hailing the stuff, or people are damning him because of this or that. Pick your time period on how you you war with one another politically with stats. I think that's all great and fine if you understand things as models, mathematical models, and you understand stats as stats. They don't give you the whole answer. It's one thing, you know, people saying I'm a Trump shill. It's one thing I can't, the president, it's one thing to say you agree with his trade policies or you disagree with his trade policies. But the way he uses a particular statistic called the trade deficit, like, Donald, that's not how it works. Please, sir. We're, we're losing. We're losing because we bought a lot of stuff and they sold us a lot of stuff. I'm like, yeah, we're getting the stuff. I have a huge trade deficit with Mapco down the street. Give me, come on, Donald. It's not like they're just taking my money. They're taking my money and I'm getting something in return. So it's the stat it actually wasn't a big deal for the longest time. It was just kind of understand the balance payments between nations. And he uses it as kind of a scorecard. That drives me nuts. And it's to my point. That the, I think we get a little too... We get something like physics envy or science envy in the realm of economics. Where we want to be able to understand things and understand people in very clear 
precise quantitative terms that you can prove. Yeah. But that's not how it works. Well, and that's that's the one model you cannot ever come up with. And there I don't I don't see that there is any way possible to come up with it is you can't you can't predict human ingenuity. You you can't predict that. You don't know what's going to happen next. You know, at one time right. it was it was a big deal uh selling uh long distance service. Right. I mean, when AT&T come in the market with Bellside, you know, it was it was a big deal. And then you had these, you know, these smaller companies. Once they opened the market up and, and you could, you know, have an independent uh, carrier to, to do all your... And now, 10 years later, you got a cell phone. Every right. phone, every You can call anywhere in the country for free. Right. When it's I amazing. Was, when I was growing up, I had a girlfriend that lived... I mean, she wasn't that far from me, about 10 miles, but she was over the Lowndes County line. So she and so she came off the Hainful Exchange. Yeah. I couldn't call her. It was long distance to call her. Well, and I remember all those commercials. Call Collect and like old wrestling shows I'll watch, you'll have the commercial occasionally still in there. And it's a fun blast from the past. Whether it's old video game or it is like all these collect call companies. Mm-hmm. Or to, you know, twenty you know, twenty cents or whatever it was. I think that's actually a little expensive, twenty cents. Whatever. No, uh, it, no, it wasn't. I mean, it was dang on pricey yeah. to, to make a, a well, phone call. And, and this is a point I was making last night. Every, and what did they do? Life. They priced their self out of the market to the point that it became viable for you to say, sure, I'll spend a, $100 a month for yeah. a phone plan, So and then I can call anybody I want. And then I'm like, oh, no, come back. And I'm too late, cat. You know, right. and you've lost it. So, you know, ingenuity and technology, we cannot account for that. No, not not in mathematical terms. Like, you can get the output after it's happened. Sure. But, th- no, this is why... You can calculate it, but you can't predict This is it. a little below the line in, in the weeds. Pick your metaphor. But uh, this is why I'm more fan of the Austrian school of economics. Ludwig von Mises, Frederick Hayek, Murray Rothbard, many others. Because here's a simple example. Is utility... Uh, like somebody's preference uh, for this good, this cow over that pig. Like, I want a cow, I don't want a pig. Can you calculate that, like, mathematically down to, like, they prefer the cow over the pig by 1.34 utils or units? Or No. It's not a cardinal measure. It's an ordinal measure. It's a, And this is how you can figure out how things are going to work, economically speaking. Is if, if you raise the minimum wage, you raise the bottom price floor up, you're going to price certain people out of the market. You're not doing math there. You're doing logic. Right. Yeah. There's a reason even people on the left, even all the Democrats running for president, aren't proposing to raise the minimum wage to $100 an hour. Because it wouldn't work. It's basic logic. So, like, if you're trying to figure out why that guy likes the cow more than he likes a pig... Well, there's all sorts of reasons, and you could maybe lay it out in a chart, like a rank order of all the things he wants in life. And he'll want them in, uh, you know, then you'll get marginal utility. Like, I want one or two cows, but you offer me three cows. I don't need that extra third cow. What the hell is wrong with you? So, I mean, and there are ways of ranking things, but you can't always break it down into, like, a stat or math. Those things have their role in life, no doubt. But we almost get too caught up on, hmm. Let's get these answers. Let's get these answers. And I, what you said about the role of entrepreneurship in the economy is, I think, the heart of the inside of free marketers. If you let the price system run 
without manipulation, without political control. It's not utopia, but it allows entrepreneurs to sort of look at what they're doing and figure out, is what I'm doing fitting into the larger fabric of society and the economy? I mean, there are moral questions, of course, but there's also questions of, is it efficient? Is it productive? You know, all this talk, of, you know, especially with the Democratic debates, I'm being reminded of a whole other different philosophy that wants to run this country. And they keep talking about the dirty, profit-seeking companies. Now, it's one thing if you're a giant, globalist, corporatist whore, like Baron Coleman says, and you're running to big daddy government in order to make sure your bottom line is sured up and you're not actually competing in the market. That's one thing. Yeah. But searching for more profit or maybe increasing your profit margin a little bit isn't really a bad thing because you're figuring out a better way of selling your product or service to people in right. a more efficient manner. And it helps everybody. It saves wealth. It economizes on wealth. And, I mean, of course, these discussions, like this little It spiel, makes a better product, too. But this whole spiel I'm going into tonight, you won't hear this on cable news. Not in detail. You might hear it on Fox Business. You might hear it on Cavuto every once in a while. But not in. you're not going to hear it from a candidate. You're not going to hear it from the president. He might understand it, but you're not going to hear it from him. Because it bores people to tears. And it's one thing I've had to reconcile the more I, I cover politics and talk about it, is the really important stuff that actually makes our society work, like what we've been talking about, entrepreneurship, a free price system, private property rights. And I understand a free market in abstract terms is simply people who are free. And now there's a basic way we can understand what is freedom. But people who are free trading with one another. That's a free market. And all these things are incredibly important, but that's not what gets people going. And it's fascinating that that's not what people get all riled up over. And it goes to a comment I, I saw last week. Vladimir Putin. Hmm. Vlad. He was making the case, I think it was a television interview, that liberalism is dead. Now, he's not talking about how we in conservative talk land go, oh, the liberals. He's talking about them to a degree, but he's talking about American conservatives, too, to a degree. And even if you look, what he's trying to do is hitch his illiberal regime. They used to call it sovereign democracy. How adorable, Vladimir. But he's trying to hitch his system to the populist movements in Europe and trying to suggest the populist movements here in the United States backing Donald Trump are the same way. And it's not really the same way. There's some stuff that Trump's done, again, like on the trade issue. If it's a negotiating tactic, fine. Do what you do, Donald. Like, go for it. If you really think raising taxes on Americans is going to make things fair, you sound like a Democrat. And I've, in the last few years, heard a lot of conservatives who sound like Democrats on this issue. A negotiating tactic? Yeah, fine. If you're willing to say, I'm willing to cause pain and inefficiency and to hurt all sorts of companies' bottom lines in order for the system to be fixed ultimately, it's a risky tactic, but fair enough. Go for it. So this idea, though, that liberalism is dead seems to me like Vladimir Putin's just, he's trying to create what Hitler called the big lie. Like, just keep saying it bigger and bolder. And because there's turmoil in the West, we are, we have a bunch of democracies. People fight and bitch and moan, left and right. 
that maybe he can sprinkle in a justification for his own rule. But here's the bottom line, folks. Liberalism broadly understood as free markets or freer markets than places like China or Russia. Basic human rights, natural rights that I would argue, the freedom of speech, of religion, of the press, of a clear legal system with... I, because I'm American, really like the presumption of innocence, but it's not exactly... the How you actually adjudicate a, a violation of somebody else's rights, I think, is open. You can come up with all sorts of systems that work pretty well for that. But I like our system. I think, though, our court system is, in a way, and we ignore this. You know how we talk about government corruption all the time? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the globalist corporatist whores, to borrow Barron's phrase again? Like Big Pharma or uh, the tobacco industry, uh, two indus- and the alcohol industry. All three industries, by the way, really don't like the idea of legalizing cannabis. You might know it as pot or marijuana. I wonder why. Oh, a competitor that's less harmful to people's bodies? Oh, my goodness. Whoa. And by the way, I was telling you about a study uh, off air. You know, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's gospel. But uh, a team of researchers took data going all the way back to 1993 in states that at first did medical marijuana. And then they started including the states that did full recreational cannabis. And they found, and what they were looking for from 93 to 2017 is the data set, they found that there was not an increase in teenage usage. And in some states, there was a decrease in teenage usage of cannabis in states that did medical and recreational legalization. And people might go, well, why is that? Because, I mean, it's, there are, there's an argument to be had here. Like if, you know, I was in high school, alcohol was illegal for me to buy. I got my hands on alcohol, folks. Same thing in college, too. What? Yeah, you know, it's kind of how, it, how it works out. Before you were 21? It's that ingenuity we were talking about earlier, you know? <laughs> ingenuity for a good time. Give somebody $10 for a six-pack of Natty Light. Yeah, a good time <laughs> that wasn't really all that good, to be honest. But it was fun cutting up. And so you would think, oh, if you make legal pot shops, like cannabis stores and dispensaries, um, then kids will be able to do the same thing I did in high school with alcohol. There's something to that. And they can kind of do that now, though. But they can do that now. The idea is if you legalize cannabis... And you, I don't know, put it in a box where it's like, this is the legal age, and you can buy it from these legal places. If you're of age, that sort of cracks down on the distribution other than, you know, random guys selling you a And when it's wheat. got a tax stamp on right. it, the popo are going to be much more likely to be going after the people standing out there selling the nickel and dime bags. Right, right, right. Because right. That, now the government has got, mm-hmm. they've got, you know, motivation to keep you know, keep it off the streets, keep it in the store, go go over there to that store, little Johnny, and buy it over there. Right. Don't buy it from, you know, Ali up here at the Z Mart. Right. And and it's interesting though that the argument that why would it reduce teenage usage is two things. Number one, that idea of legal access so you can restrict the legal places and keep it away from kids. But most fascinating, it's more of a psychological concept, the forbidden fruit. I was fixing to say it. It's not that cool, right? When it's legal and your moms and dads at home sharing a blunt, you're like, 
well, that's not cool anymore. They're sitting there giggling <laughs> and watching bad TV. Come on, Mom and Dad. Eating brownies and burritos. You're so lazy, Mom. <laughs> I'm not going to be like you. Uh, it's just uh, it's fascinating to me that there's always this struggle using the government in order to will control basic outcomes. And I, I think the corruption, though, that we don't focus on, because we often focus on, again, like Big Pharma or the banking system or the military-industrial complex, but a form of corruption and inefficiency and waste. You know, the famous Milton Friedman uh, line that if the federal government took over the Sahara Desert, there would eventually, well, not too long, be a shortage of sand. <laughs> yeah. As Judge Napolitano said, the government seized a brothel in Nevada, and it failed. They failed selling hookers and booze to truckers in the desert. All right, this is the government, folks. But here's a, a form of, I think, corruption number one. The Jeffrey Epstein saga sort of reveals this to a degree, but there are many examples. But also inefficiency. It is the court system. And because we assume the government must run the courts, then we don't really, we maybe whine about it on a particular case and say it's unfair. But we don't ever think creatively of, okay, how could you create more courts that maybe did specific sorts of cases and some of that's been played out in places like Texas and other states with drug courts that are less punitive than your average court. But I think if the government wasn't the sole monopolist on the court system, maybe the government could be sort of the place that sets the basic standards like they currently do. But they don't have to be the ones that run everything. There might be a little more efficiency in the system. And if a system, a particular court was corrupt, there could be much swifter consequences because there's always going to be corruption. We're human beings. But I, I just find it interesting how it's like, oh, the court system, it's for the, the legal system for the rich and powerful is different than the legal system from the poor. It's like, well, yeah, what are you going to do about it? And I hear people say that all the time, but I don't hear much talk about creative, real radical action to change things. And I'm for radical ideas when they're good. Well, I like the city that came up with the ordinance, and I can't remember where it is. But if, say, you and I get into it, instead of me getting a gun shooting you or you getting a gun shooting me, what we can do is call the police mm -hmm. and say, me and Joey's fixing to settle a score. The police will come out and watch us fight. Yeah, Washington State, Will and I were talking about this the other night. They, they will watch you fight and declare a winner, yeah. and then it's over. Nobody gets arrested for battery. Nobody has to go before a judge. No court, no nothing. That, that is a wonderful idea. No, I think that would work brilliantly with a lot of men. I don't know about women. I don't know. I feel like there might be a grudge. No, I'm not saying women can fight. They can't. I'm just saying that I think, I don't know. But it's been a long time. And folks, be with me here. I'm not happy that I saw this today, and I am happy that it's been a long time since I've seen something like this. You know, it's because I'm a very sensitive um, guy. Now, I wasn't entertained by this video at all. 
But did you see the knockout dragout brawl at Disneyland? Disney? I've not. I've not watched it. I've seen, I've seen bits and pieces the of dude, it. Dude, the dude hits a woman, multiple women. <laughs> He's dragging a woman by her weave and her braids all the way across, like just dragging her across the Magic Kingdom. And I'm sitting there. Part of me is going, and I'm, I'm seeing this as Dana Perino showing it on Fox. This video. Part of me's like, that is awful. Look at these. Look at these. That delinquent right there. Had no home training. And then the other part what of me... What about the little devil on the other shelf? Oh, the shelf. other part of me is like watching a wrestling match. It's like, oh, oh, hit her again. Oh, give him a low blow, baby. No, I mean it. Like, the guys got into it, and the guys started protecting his woman, and then the sisters start fighting, and oh, no, we knocked over very obese mom. <laughs> She's going to take forever to be back on her feet. Yeah, I'm not proud that I was entertained, but I was a bit entertained. It was terrible, terrible. The man should be, charges should be brought against him. But thank you for the entertainment, sir. Good God. I'm tired. <laughs> it's been a good day. Tired for good reasons. I'll let y'all be the guess of what those are. But I'm also tired because of, uh, well, these workouts I'm doing. And but I, again, tired in a good way. Like I'm sore, but I'm sore in the places I targeted to be sore. So it's like, ooh yeah, got something done today. You know, it worked exactly. Now I'm getting stronger. I actually, I've been on the great journey to do a single pull up. I used to be able to do all sorts of pull ups back when I was in high school, and then I tried one. You know, 15 years later, I couldn't do a single pull up. Wow. I can do a lot of push-ups. I can, I'm pretty strong in other moves and lifts. Can't do a freaking pull-up. And it finally happened. Monday morning. Went to the pull-up bar. I did the, I've been doing this for a few months. Like, grab the bar. And Monday morning, I went and did that. And all of a sudden, my chin's above the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Well, work's paying off. Now I only got one. Eventually, I'll get to two. But, you know, this is what I'm partially doing. It's a fun game I play with myself to look better in the mirror and have a little more stamina for all different aspects of life and not get too tired in the middle of it. But really, it's a mental test. It's a disciplining mechanism. It's cross-training, really. That if you can be disciplined with your body and going to the gym three days a week, four, five days a week, then you can take what you learned in that realm, which is a little more straightforward. Like, hey, I want to work out this muscle or I want to work out this cardio. Like, I want to work out how long my stamina goes. Then that can translate into things that seem a little more complicated, but the basic principles of discipline and hard work apply. And so where I'm going, folks, is Express Fitness 24-7 over on Zelda Road. Uh, working out with Alex. Um, they have a facility right above Firehouse Subs and then right across the parking lot. It's a split facility is where I'm mostly going with all the power racks and the free weights, barbells and all that stuff. And I'm loving it, uh, if you can't tell. I am absolutely <laughs> loving it, mostly because it is a fun, again, mental exercise disciplining. And they have almost everything you want there. Well, really everything you'd want. You have cardio machines. You have, you know, kind of basic weight machines. You have... 
you know, dumbbells, free weights. But then also you do have sort of the, if you want to do some heavy lifting, everything you need. State-of-the-art equipment, and the best thing is 24-7 access at a very reasonable month-to-month rate. You don't have to do a long-term contract. It's a great deal. That's the most appealing thing about them. Absolutely. There's kind of a there's a startup fee for the first month. The first month's a little more expensive than the following months just to get oh, you that access. Get up, so you yeah. can get in 24 hours a day. Exactly. But then month to month, I think it's only like 30 bucks a month. It's yeah. great. Um, and you can go, again, whenever you want, 24-7 access. You get that key fob, and it's not just the Zillow Road location. There are locations in Millbrook and Prattville and Wetumpka and Pine Level. Clanton, even? All over the river. Clanton, you say? Yeah. So check them out. ExpressFitness24.com. That's the number 24. ExpressFitness24.com. Check them out. Find what location is best for you. And tell the folks over at ExpressFitness247 that Joey from the radio sent you. Just be sweet. Be a doll and do that, all right? And and go get me some cigarettes. Uh, folks, we're going to be right back. Having some fun here. It's just good, you know, seeing Southern Wood. It's good to be back in the saddle you over here, You look tired, though. You look like you've been working hard. I'm not joking here. I, I'm sore. Yeah, well, you've been working hard for the last month or two. Like, this is your busy season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back. Clark. Well, welcome back, folks. Closing out the show here on the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I am Joey, and alongside me again is Southern Wood, who is, well... I'm just gay. That's me. So happy. Happy, 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 as Uncle Phil would say. So I want to get to the uh, women's soccer team in the World Cup, if we could, in a second. Um, You know, I did not watch even one second of the World Cup. I did when I was up in New York. My brother and a lot of the folks up there were interested in watching yeah. that. Um, if I'd have happened by a bar, I'm sure it was, they would have had it on or something. But right. I, just, I, I didn't didn't happen by any sports bars. <laughs> what the hell is going on with the board? You are tired over there, Joey. No, I'm like sliding it down normally, and it's doing something just weird. Hit a bump. Yeah, we're dealing with ancient that radio brand board. new board over there. Yeah, messed up. Come on, it's, man. Freaking older than me. But here's, before we get all to the census and women's soccer, so interesting, I know. You know, the future is female. No, it's not. No, it's both male and female. Yeah, exactly. Give me a break. Just like the past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have civilization. I love when trends get so over the top. <laughs> like, if I see a man wearing the future is female, unless you're wearing that ironically, what the hell is wrong with you? Really? I'm going to set up a foundation so you can cut it off and send it in for a cash donation. I'm revoking your membership, all right? Your membership. I'm revoking it. I like to take that when you see somebody doing that, they're going to a rally somewhere and they're trying to get laid. Yeah, that's what I... Whenever... Because I dabbled in this a little bit more to understand it, but... 
I mean, it's, I'm a guy. I'm a straight guy. You know, if you do the male feminist thing, it's like, yeah, you're you're just trying to hook up with the feminists, you know? Yeah. That's all you're doing. <laughs> Not all the time. <laughs> I mean, maybe you're serious about it. But who are we all into this? And the future being female and women's soccer and the census. Fascinating topics, I know, folks. This was the... Well, it's an example of tyranny. You know, Putin, we were talking earlier, saying liberalism in the West is dead. Oh, shove it up your ass, Vladimir. This is irony right here. And it has George Orwell both smiling and spinning in his grave. A Russian journalist has been accused of, by Russian law and Russian authorities, quote-unquote, controlling minds and affecting the human subconscious. After referencing George Orwell's 1984 in an article, the guy's name is Mikhail Romanov. He was writing a story about the alleged torture of an academic in Russia. So police in Russia arrested him and charged him after they suspected him of trying to tap into reader's subconscious. He just had a death wish, didn't he? Writing something like that in Russia. The story is about how anyone can be squashed by the government machine. It's also about how Big Brother is watching, reading all comments on online forums. And this is understood to be the first time a journalist will be tried under Russia's new legislation punishing those who are perceived to have published information containing hidden, in, hidden insertions affecting the human subconscious. What the hell kind what? of law is that? Dude, I tell you what kind of law that is. That's a law that allows the government to shut down anybody. anybody. And for bringing out 1984, which is literally a book that goes into the details of how totalitarian government would use mind control and torture. <laughs> That's freaky irony right there. But here, I want to get to the census. You said something off air, and this is exactly my point. I mean, this has been argued in front of the Supreme Court. They came down with the ruling that the Trump administration didn't have a good enough rationale for putting the question back on after it was removed, after being on there for over 100 years, by the Obama administration. Now, I'm sure that's very frustrating. It is. It just, it is frustrating from all sorts of different angles. But is this really a symbolic argument? I know the census is important for apportionment of congressional seats and uh, federal aid to certain municipalities and states and blah, blah, blah. I understand the boring, bare-bones facts about this. But it's the census, folks. Like, if I see somebody every 10 years, and I'm sure they're great, wonderful people, trying to collect information on the census and get it from me, I ignore them. And if I do fill out the form, I might put my name and how many people are living in the house. And that's it. So if there's a question on there, whether it's on there or not, but imagine the questions on there. Are you a U.S. citizen? You don't have to answer it. And you could easily, you know, not fill it out. Like, it just seems to a certain point, like, silly that we're having this over-the-top argument. And then Nancy Pelosi, 
who really, I didn't think I would say this, seems more like she has some mirth and humor to her, more so than the recent freshmen in Congress on the Democratic side of the aisle. People like Rashid Tlaib and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, but she's The Puerto hot. Rican sex kitten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she's got those big eyes. It's kind of cute. She's not cute, though. Because when she talks, there doesn't... Maybe, you know, when they're having a nice glass of Chardonnay and relaxing, they could be fun. But every time I see that person on the news and this group of folks, like Elon Omar... The one of them, I, the name escapes me. Um, it's a young black woman. Maybe her last name's her. Oh, you forgot her because of because she's a young black woman. No, I just forgot her name. She's just not in the press as much as AOC and and Rashida Tlaib recently. But I never thought I would say Pelosi actually seems like a reasonable person <laughs> when you compare her to them. But Pelosi said on the census and the citizenship question, Trump just wants to keep turn, America. Turn right. America white again. What the hell is wrong with you, Nancy? Okay, here's the thing, folks. I'm not naive. There is a certain segment of the country that is their concern. I think it is. I'm all for, and I say that because I've argued with people back when I was arguing on social media and not taking a break from that crap, who are actually concerned that their grandchildren and great-grandchildren won't look like them. I guess you can have that concern, but I'm all for a butterscotch future. I'm all down with that. We're going to be good-looking people here on this earth. Yeah. But that's an outlier, I think most people, that is not what they're worried about. I think some of the conversation around immigration frustrates me because it is a problem that has been staring us in the face for now three, four decades since Reagan and the 80s amnesty where there's a solution to this. And if I was a Democrat, hell, I'm as Joey. My policy is, okay, Donald, Mr. Trump, President Trump, President Donald J. Trump, I agree, we should secure the border, and you could have your wall, or we've changed that now to a very, very powerful fence. (laughs) Guy cracks me up, man. I'd always like his policy, but he cracks me up so much. I do enjoy him as president, just from an entertainment standpoint. Uh, We can have a secure border by whatever efficient means possible. And then what I would argue with is... Like you said in the debate, President Trump, let's have a big, big, beautiful door. Yes. Sure. And we check people, do you have disease? Like diseases that could cause real problems for you, and you need help, and you should get emergency help. And I would mostly try to call on the nonprofit sector to do these sorts of things. But also security check. To the best of our ability, have you been involved with, like, the cartels are you involved in terrorist groups or you you know one of the nations that wants to do us harm and you can't always catch all of the people but security check health check security check and are you going to work are you going to try to find work these sorts of things all right like i heard about it it's from family down on the coast there's a guy who worked in a restaurant down there used to make these fantastic po'boys Shrimp po' boys, oyster po' boys, whatever. You know, fresh fish, shellfish from the Gulf. 
One day he's not there. What happened to him? Oh, he was deported. It's like, did he do anything? Well, he crossed illegally. So, I mean, deported. It's like, yeah, but I know that guy. Make great po'boys. At a certain point, I'm all for securing the border, but I would also say as long as somebody's not a security threat, a health threat, and they're willing to work, and this is, that's the hardest sell to the Democrats, is we don't need people like getting you know free health care and free everything. See, that's, that's, where you, that's where you get into a mess yeah. with it is it's, there's, there's no simple answer to it at all because, like you said, I, I don't. I don't want to deport the guy who's been making po' boys for ten years and living a productive life. You know, right? And there really is a crisis in Central America and Latin America. Where the reason a lot of these, some of these people are coming just to yeah get a job. Some of them really are coming though, and these are the stories. These are the most violent places on earth right now in Central America, and they're literally being told the stories go by MS-13, other gangs and cartels. We're going to take your son from you. And raise him in our ways. And if you try to stop us, we'll kill you. Yeah, I would leave if I was told that. And I would do my best to get somewhere where they couldn't harm me. But 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 here's here's the 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 So there has to be some way to account for that. But here's my point. The Democrats, but both sides, the Republicans too for years, both sides have played politics with this issue. And now that this is a hot heated issue let's solve the freaking problem it no. does mean more resources no we cannot solve the problem joey yeah that would not serve its purpose we got another because election it's, yeah. that's it, it, it it's uh it's a hot button topic it's something easy to talk about do nothing about because mm-hmm. down deep they both want the illegals here cheap labor yeah. keeps prices down Corporations make more money, keeps their bottom line well, no, you should down have, and their profits up. The idea in my mind is that you secure the border, you have very efficient ports of entry where people can call for asylum or try to enter the country legally. That will stop a lot of people doing more dangerous journeys on places that aren't legal ports of entry. And, and there are problems at ports of entry. We don't have enough personnel. There aren't enough judges. This is back to the court system being inefficient. Shocking the government does things inefficiently. It's also why I don't want an immigration system that's too heavy-handed with the government controlling who comes in and who comes out beyond security and health concerns. Because the government does everything inefficiently. So the government, the federal government in particular, is the one deciding what person a company can hire from abroad, these sorts of things. I don't know, like, the quota that they set. Oh, well, I'll have 10,000 people from India. Like, is that actually the number? Or can we actually have the market decide what the number is? These sorts of things. Well, then Americans won't get those jobs. What? Why can't Americans compete? When did Americans become these little babies and need a freaking handout from their own government? Mm-hmm. Give me a break. So I think there's a way to solve this issue. And by the way, the women's soccer team. I know this is what Barron finished with today. You know what I did in terms of the women's soccer team? I didn't watch. I didn't watch one American game. I watched Germany against Spain, I think, one afternoon with somebody actually from Stuttgart, Germany, up at the wedding. Um, we just happened to be the only people at the house. Sabina was her name. And uh, the father of the bride's cousin. Um, she was great. I, could t- I, I really couldn't place the accent. She's like, oh, I'm from Stuttgart. 
and was tired, so her English was a little broken. She can speak it pretty well, but she was just tired after being jet-lagged. And we watched a women's soccer game. But everything, and I'm, this is a theme, everything's a freaking political fight now. And a cultural moment. Yeah. It's like, why is this World Cup for the women now the cultural moment? Just because Donald Trump, Cheeto Mussolini's in the White House, whatever name you want to call him? No. Like you've won the World Cup the last few times there's been a Women's World Cup. Why is it now a big deal? Why can't we just enjoy a freaking soccer game? And now we got to talk about equal pay for equal work. It's like, well, talk to your own freaking organizations. Instead of having a base salary, maybe you want a share of the television profits or other rights. These sorts of things. Like, I just, I get tired of the same bumper sticker logic for everything that should be a great entertaining sporting event as much as you can like soccer or whatever maybe it's not your cup of tea but now it is in everybody's minds and i the women in particular who won this and it is a great accomplishment you're the best in the world it's now not about you being the best in the world at your sport it's now about you being in a pissing match with the president it's dumb and it just spoils the whole fun of the event. Like, give me a break. You can have your opinions, but my God, we're missing the point. And why is it when everybody wins, you got to go to the White House? Be like, no, I don't want to go to the White House. Like, why doesn't Donald Trump should come down here? We'll have some fun. We'll go, like, fishing or something. <laughs> it's just... Uh, I, I, for some reason, I can't see the Don out there with a fishing pole in his hand. No, I, I just thought I, I, me either. 